Hey fam, welcome back to the Main Pursuit Podcast. I'm so excited to welcome Abram today from the We Are Radicals podcast. How are you doing, Abram? I'm great, Jacob. Thanks for having me on the podcast today. I'm so glad that you were able to uh, to join us and share some of your story um, and what you've learned. Um, I guess starting off a little bit, if you could share a little bit about yourself for those that don't know you. Yeah, absolutely. So I'm actually about to start my last semester at Evangel University. I'm a biblical studies major. So I'll be finishing up this semester, um, finishing in December. And then shortly afterwards, uh, about a week and a half after the semester would have ended, um, I'm going to be getting married. And after that, I'm going to be starting my first year of graduate school at Assemblies of God Theological Seminary. So finishing up one degree, jumping into another, I'm living in Springfield, but I'm originally from Kansas City, so I'm pretty much a Midwesterner through and through. But uh, yeah, it's an exciting time and just ready to see what is going to happen in the future. It's exciting. So, Man, that's awesome to hear. Digging a little deeper into your story, I know you have, um, part of your story is um, adoption and foster care. Could you guys, could you share a little bit about that for us today? Yeah, absolutely. So I'm actually the oldest of uh, all my siblings. So there's four brothers. So I'm the oldest. I'm 22. I have a biological brother who's 19. He's He just graduated high school. And then we have our two uh, adopted brothers, David and Isaiah. And David is, a, he's six and Isaiah is three. And so uh, they're a household. It's It's a crazy time. It's a, our house is a lively house to say the least. It's two like older kids who antagonize and terrorize the little kids. And then the little kids uh, antagonize and terrorize us right back. So it's not really much of a dull moment in our house. And um, yeah, so we adopted David. Uh, We actually had both of them straight from the hospital. Um, We got both of them. Uh, We adopted David after fostering him for a year. Uh, he was a uh, little over a year old when we formally adopted him and legally got him to be part of our family forever. And then we adopted Isaiah a few years later, um, and they're actually half-brothers. So um, we found out that their mom was pregnant again, and we ended up getting the opportunity to adopt him straight from the hospital as well. So um, it's it played a huge part in my formative high school years. That was really around the time. Before we adopted uh, these two guys, we were fostering for about a year and a half, two years before that, before we got the two boys. And so we had fostered a little bit before them. And, but once we adopted them, uh, they really became our world and like solidified them as part of our family. So that's kind of where we're at now. They're growing up, tearing things up and going crazy, enjoying life. I feel like, I don't know if you and I have talked much about this, but I think you and I always kind of have shared the connection of, I have two sisters that are adopted as well. And so I know it's something that you and I have have been able to kind of understand. We've had that understanding for a while on it. How did you find that, you know, it is such a different atmosphere? Did you find, did it strengthen your faith in a way? It it definitely I don't know if it's necessarily strengthened is the right word. It developed it at a much like deeper level and it changed what it looked like for me. I think especially when I started seeing David get older and seeing that the things that he was going to deal with in life 
were really going to be different than the things I dealt with growing up at his age. So um, I grew up as a uh, white and Asian male in a pretty suburban area. And like just seeing how he as a biracial child is already like going to have a different, different time in life than I had at age six. It, it really began to make me think about some of the things that are obviously going on right now. But also it gave me a heart to see that people who grow up in situations that are radically different than mine, we have to have a really empathetic and open heart towards people like that because they're all around us. You know, it wasn't really until we started fostering um, and we adopted David and Isaiah that I really was open to seeing that there is so much hurt and so much pain that people around us carry that we don't even know. You know, when you walk down the street and you see the people that are just walking next to you so often that they are holding things that unless you actually got to know them and started talking with them, they're, they have those things that they're, they're carrying that we just don't know about. And so for me, having this awesome opportunity to be a part of someone's life who isn't related to me by blood, yet we move past that, that disconnect, that sense of we're not really related yet. I care deeply about who you are and you're now a part of my life. When I was exposed to something like that, it really opened my heart and my eyes to seeing people in a different way. And that I think has to impact our spirituality, especially for the Christian, because that's ultimately a part of what the gospel is. You know, we have, we usually think of the gospel or the life of the Christian as this spiritual thing or this ideological kind of mindset that you share the gospel, right? You share the good news about the future that is to come. But in reality, like the gospel is something that takes place in a moment or it takes place in the individual and it impacts what's going on right now. So I think one of the biggest things that being able to like first foster someone who isn't a part of your family and then beyond that, being able to take that person and bring them into your family, it really opened me up to seeing what, it really opened me up to seeing that there is a purpose for dealing with the pain that people have right now in the moments that we're engaging with them. And it really kind of helped shape my mind and how really the father can view us. You know, I was reading uh, Romans 8 this past week, and it talks about how we who are led by the spirit have life. And we who are led by the spirit are called sons of God, you know, and that when the father gave us the spirit, it wasn't to give us this person who was to watch over us and to make us feel like we were slaves to what we had to do, but it was really to give us this sign, this seal of knowing that we are adopted. We are now heirs with Christ as sons of God. And so just being a part of something that unless you like are actively a part of adopting or you're actively a part of having kids in your house that aren't related to you, whether that be fostering or you are just raising children that may not be directly related to you, unless you're directly involved in that, you don't 
really fully grasp what that means. It opened my eyes to a brand new a way of seeing how the Father engages with us, how the Father perceives us and loves us in that way, because now I can relate to it in that same way. We always talk about expanding our worldview um, with situations and areas. Would you say that it, it certainly expanded um, your worldview of just being able to communicate with people and relate? Oh, absolutely. You know, before we were able to adopt David, I, I said it earlier, I grew up in a very suburban context. Yeah, I went to this, I went to church in the city. So I grew up at a very diverse church in the middle of Kansas City. And so like, I always was around a diverse group of people, but I grew up in this suburban context. I went to a private school, which was predominantly white. So when I actually had someone who looks very different than I do growing up in my house, and then I have the ability to like love that person for who they are and then see what they have to see and what they're dealing with. It can't help but open your eyes to seeing the world differently. It can't help but shift your worldview because them simply being in your house changes the dynamic of your house mm -hmm. and it changes the foundational makeup of what your family looks like. And so when we did adopt David, and then Isaiah came along as well, it radically changed how I viewed people at a fundamental level, but it also changed how I viewed circumstances. Because now I'm viewing the world not just through my own eyes, but because I care so deeply about my brothers, and because they're so close to my life, because the proximity is now there, you know, I can't ignore it because the proximity is right here in my own house. I have to view the world not just through my own lens, but through the lens of someone I deeply care about and who is right here next to me. And I think that was the power that changing my worldview when like, we had the adoption go through. And even before that, but I mean, I was still growing myself, like still trying to understand the world as a teenager. Like it's not been until recently that I've now, now that I'm in my 20s and I've understanding more and more how the world works, right? As we continually grow older and that continues to happen. But it's not until that I've recently been realizing this is what the world is, this is how the world works, that now I'm able to see that since he is so close to me, I can now see the world through this lens instead of just the lens that I had before they came. Because it was the, the proximity, I think, is the real reason why everything changed for me. The proximity, because he's so close to me, because he's in my house, and that is the world now that I live in, my worldview had to change because it was right here in the midst of everything that I was doing. It's very hard for, for people that are not experiencing that to relate. And I've talked with so many people that, that haven't, you know, fostered or adopted, and it's very hard to relate to them. I guess kind of looking at our at the church today, what's one point that you kind of observed that seemed to maybe be missing or was maybe misunderstood in our church and church today with foster yeah. and adoption? You know, I've been really blessed. My dad is a pastor. So my dad is actively involved in the church setting. And so the church that we planted about a decade ago, I've just been really blessed because there's so many people in this community that I'm actively participating in that have a heart for adoption and foster care. 
And so I truly have been blessed because there are multiple people around me that have adopted internationally. There are multiple people around me that have adopted from the foster care system here in Missouri. Um, And so, you know, it's been a blessing to be around that. But now that I look outward, I begin to see that this really is a bigger problem than the church is ready to deal with. You know, like there are so many children and not even just children, but because that's our modern context, right? Adoption is like this. You protect kids who have been either abandoned or neglected or abused. Like that's what we think of, but it's, it's more than that. We care for them continually as adults, as members and individuals of our society. But now that I see that there's a widespread neglect of children just in society, I think we have to go back to what Jesus said. Like, I think we have to look back at what he was asking us to do. And really, he makes it so clear and explicit that we're supposed to take care of the poor, support widows and orphans and those who are oppressed, those who are abused by society and by people in our society. So I think we have to look and see that what we've been doing, we've really become, one of the challenges I think the church has to overcome is that we've become this like chaplain or police agent that we're really supposed to just guide culture, right? We're supposed to make sure that morality is kept in line. And we're supposed to make sure that politics are supposed to follow the Christian moral, the Christian ethic, right? But in reality, I don't see the early church trying to influence society by mandating things or policing things, but rather they started at the bottom with those who had been oppressed and abused, those who were neglected by society. And that's where they were making their impact. You know, I read Acts when I read all these stories that they were feeding the poor. They were feeding widows and helping children and helping the blind men and healing all of the sick. And I think in our churches, if we really cared about the gospel, and if we truly understood what it meant, we would have to recognize that those who are at the lowest in society, those who have been neglected by society, have to be one of the first people we reach. And I think it's just, when I've looked back at even our own story, I just have to see the beauty in it. And I can't imagine a church that wouldn't want beautiful stories like this to be intertwined with the very DNA of the kingdom of God in the local community. Because when I think about our own story, just how we have been able to love and cherish two kids who were otherwise left to be just neglected and abused by people who were simply just unable to care for them in the proper way. Not even like we all hear the horror stories of children who were abused and neglected because people were just evil or un, like unkind and not loving people. But in a lot of these cases and a lot of scenarios around our local communities, it's just simply people are unable to care and love for children because of circumstances that just happen to be on them or happen to be a part of their story. And so I think we have to also move away from certain stigmas that like these children are like damaged goods or they're not able to be loved and brought back to restoration. And I think we have to be able to be open in our communities and just to really try to bring these stories of restoration to life because it really, 
it's difficult. I'll, we'll all be honest. I'm sure you would be the first to share story upon story of how adopting children is difficult. It's not an easy task. But when I think back to the gospel, nothing that Christ asks us to do is simple or easy. It, it never comes out to being just an easy choice that you can throw up and be like, okay, it's, that's super easy. Let's move on to the next thing. It's a constant commitment. Yet all of the things that I've seen come about from our personal story reflect what beauty comes when you simply love people and are able to live out, I think, the gospel that Jesus laid out for us. I, my family was, was, we were always very blessed to have a, a church around us that was supportive. And you really do need a church that's supportive because, you know, Absolutely. I think when we always, I think so many people hear the horror stories of foster care and adoption. And I think the church as a whole hears that. Um, and I think it does put that, that stigma on it of not wanting, you know, can we actually care and can we even be involved? Um, and there's so much that goes around. I had a conversation with someone recently and when they were adopting, someone that the church looked at them and said, and why would you leave your perfect life for this? Um, and it really just kind of broke me hearing that because that's really the stigma that unfortunately is in some of the churches of that they are damaged goods. And it's, and it's not in tune with the gospels and it's not in tune with what Jesus speaks on. Yeah. And I so frequently go back to the words of Jesus when the children came to to Jesus's feet and the disciples wanted Jesus to be left alone. Yet Jesus said that for these is the kingdom, you know, for kids ultimately are the foundation of the kingdom. And so often I think our Western society emphasizes growing up or emphasizes being adults in society. Right. And we lose that, that, the gospel, the kingdom of God is built upon the foundation that those who are young, those who are vulnerable, are valued. Those, like the children are the ones that the kingdom is built for. And just that understanding, like, that's so different than what our culture dictates. And that's what I think makes it so hard. And that's why I think so many people think of, oh, you're going to take in another child? Like, and as you said, like, you're going to leave the life that you have behind. But I can't, um, now looking back at our own story, I can't imagine not doing it. I simply can't fathom not having them as part of my life. Each and every day I wake up and they're in our house. And I continually see the fruits that were, that have come from a simple, like, act of obedience and a simple act of our own heart's longing. Because I think when the church actually awakens the heart of Christ, you can't help but seek out opportunities to truly love and influence people in your community. And like even today, I took uh, David fishing. So he's six. He's a like, little kid, doesn't really understand yeah. how the world works, doesn't understand what what's going on in society today but the dude loves to fish like he like every day he pretty much asks hey can we go fishing so today we went we went out fishing didn't catch a single thing he didn't catch anything i caught one fish he didn't catch anything and we got back to the house i went and did some stuff i came back downstairs 
Uh, so it was about an hour after we had gotten back. And he walks up to me and he's like talking to me. And I look at him and I'm like, hey, so did you have fun fishing today? He's like, oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Like, can we can we go back tomorrow? And I was like, I was like, yeah, maybe we can go back tomorrow. But in the back of my head, I was thinking, this dude didn't catch one fish. He didn't have one. He, his bobber did not go down one time. Like he stared at the water for like an hour and a half. Like, I, I kid you not. He threw the pole back in, checked the rod. The bait was still on there. He threw it in for an hour and a half and the bobber did not move once. Like this kid, like looked at a bobber for an hour and a half and he said it was fun. If I hadn't caught anything, I would not have thought it was fun. But for him, it's fun. And so I was thinking about this just a few minutes before we started this conversation that he finds these simple pleasures in life and just being able to be a part of those things. Mm-hmm. Like I, uh, the past week we've been, me and him have gone fishing probably about four times in the last week. And I have thoroughly enjoyed just being able to be with him and doing something that he likes and he loves to do. Like he's six, he didn't catch a fish, but he loved going out and just spending time doing something he liked. And looking back at it now, I could not fathom not having this in my life now. Mm. And I think that if, if we truly believed that this is what the gospel is about, if we truly believe that the gospel is about bringing up people who are at the lowest of society, who are abused and oppressed and who are not loved, and those who are afflicted, and we give them the gospel, which isn't just spiritual truth. It's not just saying that we have hope for tomorrow or hope for eternity, but it's meeting their needs here and now and loving and taking care of those who have been oppressed. I can't help but think of the hope that we have for the future if that is the characteristics Mm -hmm. of the kingdom of god and i just i can't fathom not having this in my life because it's so beautiful seeing how god has influenced our lives simply by being open to obeying his commands and loving in the same capacity that he displayed for us you spoke, I think you mentioned kind of a couple of times of really just our paths changing and your path changing, you know, it, it looks different day to day and it looks different week to week. Um, running a podcast as well. How have you been able to make sure that you are thriving in your relationship with Jesus um, when your path keeps changing? It's hard to keep your path aligned with Jesus, regardless of what you're doing. You know, when I, when I run the podcast, I noticed that it took a lot. And as you started this podcast and as you're getting into this whole like rhythm of what it takes to run the podcast, what it takes to think of the episode ideas, what it takes to actually have the episodes, what it takes to like edit. Oh, editing is the worst. I'm sure you understand that. So like when you get in this cycle, it almost is like really draining. And I'm sure you're now beginning to experience that. And so if you look on if you look at my podcast, you'll see that I have episodes geared towards the summers, which wasn't my original intent. Um, but I just got so bogged down with whatever, whatever, whatever was going on in the midst of the school year that I just wasn't able to get around to doing it throughout the school year. And that was my last year. So I don't know what this year is going to look like, but it was so difficult because all of us understand it's hard to manage our time and hard to manage our, our relationship with Christ. And so I'm, 
and as I said, my past constantly changing, I'm always altering things, always trying to do different things to help me be in the place that I need to go. And so recently for what it, what it looks like for me recently is that I've been doing a lot of like reading. Um, I went through a time like about six months ago where I was doing a lot of like liturgical prayers or I was doing a, reading a lot of prayers, but now I've been really diving into some of the scriptures and doing a lot more reading. And so, you know what, for me, I just, it's hard for me to get in this set rhythm of this is the thing that I'm doing every single day. This is like this minute I'm doing this, this minute I'm doing this, this minute I'm doing this. So for me, I'm constantly trying to do these things to like, continue those rhythms, to continue those things that are continually drawing me back to Christ. But for me, I have to be okay with not doing the same thing every day. Mm. Um, and so recently for me, I've gotten my, um, I've got a, like a blank journal and I've been like documenting certain things that I've read. And then at the end of the day, I'll also document just my different thoughts on different things as well after a period of reading. Um, so this past week I finished Romans entirely. Like I really sat down and just digested Romans again after I had taken a class on it. With yeah, we, you. Were, we, were we were in that, that class. class. Yeah. So I had I'd taken it last uh, two semesters ago. Uh, and so I had not really gone through it since then. And so I, for this past week, I just really digested that. And, you know, it's those times where I'm doing the things that I need to do, but not creating this, this idea of this is the thing that I have to do. But making sure that I'm doing small things, because I think for me, it's when I continue to dedicate myself to doing the small things that Christ asked me to do, it's when I begin to see my relationship with him really flourish and become, become healthy for me. So mm -hmm. that's what I've noticed is that when I'm dedicated to doing those things, the small things that he asked me, um, that's when I notice that my relationship with him is thriving and it, it creates a more healthy balance for me because I'm that's what I've really geared my year towards in 2020 is balance and I'd lie if I told you that I was good at it or I'd lie if I said that I've been doing good at it constantly and every day that's something that I'm evaluating in my own life that I'm reflecting on and meditating on and praying about is that how do I become a more holistic person how do I really become someone that is balanced and these daily rhythms of not just like, oh, did I pray today? Not just, oh, did I read my Bible today? But what am I doing to really become one with Christ and really act more like him each day? I think sometimes we're a little too hard on ourselves with, especially going from a semester into summer um, this year, it's been difficult switching from having such a laid out schedule to really yeah. having no schedule. Um, and I think we are so hard on ourselves of our culture. If you, you know, you have to have a culture, you have to have a, something you're doing all the time and you have to have a laid out schedule. But if you don't have a schedule, then something's wrong. And I really like how you said of really just creating those habits day to day of just, you know, spending time in prayer or, or even reading a book. I'm sure you've started reading a lot more books since being home than in the mid semester. Yeah. Or pleasure reading. Pleasure reading. Yes. So as we close here, is there anything based on your story and, and kind of what we talked about today that you'd like to leave with the listeners as a final point? Yeah. You know, as I'm reflecting, even from what I've said today, I think the thing that just is sitting in my spirit is, am I open to being and doing what God has called? You know, and I, 
I was, I preached this message a couple months ago and this, this one thought that he gave me has stuck with me this the past few months is that calling is merely opportunity. God isn't mm-hmm. going to call us to do every single thing that we need to do. He's going to simply place opportunities in our path that should we view this opportunity and know the gospel and know what he wants us to do, will we do it? And I'm, as I think back on our personal story, as we've adopted my two brothers, if we weren't open to seizing that opportunity to love, what would our lives look like? And, you know, I can't, I, I, I cannot fathom what my life would look like if we weren't obedient and we weren't, we weren't willing to accept the opportunity that was placed before us, you know? And this whole, whole thing that I've tried to display is life as a radical believer. If we're not able to simply listen and take the opportunities that he places before us, how are we going to see the kingdom of God come to be? And so that's, that would be my encouragement. If there's anyone listening here, listen to what God is placing before you. He's going to call you to do certain things. Those are important. Those are really important. But in our day-to-day life, more than likely, God's simply going to allow opportunities to be placed before us. And will we use what he has already given us to love and cherish those around us? Because when I think back to seven years ago, six years ago, when we had the opportunity, my dad was actually, I think, at a baseball game uh, at one of the Royals games or something like that. And we, we heard that there was this kid who was needing a placement, simply an opportunity. God didn't speak to us divinely and say, hey, this is the kid that you need to, you need to bring this kid home. Didn't speak. There was simply an opportunity. And we took the teachings of Jesus to love those around us to love our neighbor as ourself, to care for the widows and the orphans. And we took all of those teachings and we responded to the opportunity. And looking back now, I can see the fruit that has come from simply being open to respond. Mm. And so that's what I would encourage you to do if you're listening to this podcast. Respond to the opportunities that are in front of you. Because when we do that, the kingdom of God can't help but grow. And as I reflect, I can't help but notice how beautiful his kingdom is. Thanks for sharing, Abram. And thanks for um, coming on the the podcast today. Absolutely. I love Um, being able to come on here. Yeah, yeah. For all those listening, um, and based on what we talked about today, if you have any questions or even want to discuss more, um, definitely reach out to me or reach out to um, Abram at the We Are Radicals podcast. Um, and I'm sure we can, uh, we'd love to talk with you or have discussions um, based on it. Thank you all for taking some time out of your day to listen. Love you all. Have a good one.